Hello and welcome to the Lessons by Me podcast. My name is Mary Allen Agena and this is my weekly podcast where I share life lessons and life experiences with you. Enjoy! On today's episode, I'll be speaking with Dr. Sam Mikoku. He is a renowned productivity consultant and an awesome mentor. He'll be sharing his life experiences with us. I hope you learn from this because I did learn from it. Yay! I'm doing this. <laughs> yes, you are. Okay, so um, I'm kind of nervous, and but let's just do this. I'm excited. Regardless of the nervous feeling. Actually, you need the nervous feeling because that's energy there. Mm, okay. And when you start doing it, go turn into, um, to help you go. So let's go with it. Oh, okay. That works. So, um, so first of all, I'm interested in like brief overview of like who you are, your life, like, like, I would like with like a short story of your life so far. I think we can start from there. Well, uh, let me start backwards. Uh, I'm a productivity consultant. Okay. What that means is I help people, organizations, and uh, teams to achieve their highest potential, assuming that they know what they want to do. So the question now is, how did I end up becoming a productivity consultant. Yeah. Um, growing up, I found that I was one of those people who had too many ideas. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I found that it was a huge burden. Because you know what they say, how do you distract a man who has too many ideas? You give him another one. So I always had too many ideas and too many things to pursue at the same time. Mm-hmm. As I grew older, I realized that if I could hold back all the other ideas and focus just one, I could tennis 100x my performance. Okay. And as soon as I mastered that art, I now knew what my calling was. I was able to take people's ideas cut out the fluff, help them see what really matters so clearly, the 20% of what gives them 80% of their results, and should allow them to live excellently on that 20%. So they became distinction students with everything they did. Mm, okay. And then what happened was now I now built a career around that, and that's what's brought me to where I am today. Oh, nice. Um, you, you, okay. You said um, that you found out what your calling was. So, like, at what point did you find out? Well, when you find what your calling is, it's a kind of clarity comes. If mm, okay. then you're thinking, "I'm good at this, good at that, I'm good at this, I'm good at that," and everybody is good at quite a few things, but it's that one thing you are great at that really matters. And when I counsel, coach, teach, facilitate uh, people, 
I ask them to do the following things. I say, ask yourself, what is the one thing that when you see it happening, makes you so excited you can hardly contain yourself? Okay. And when they answer that question, I ask them another question. I say, what is the one thing that when you see it happening, absolutely breaks your heart? And if the answers they give are the two sides of the same coin, they found their calling. Mm, okay. Is that how you found yours? That's how I found it. Oh, nice. Did you... I've helped people who've read so many books on purpose-driven life and all of that stuff. And I could help people achieve that in five minutes. Oh, wow. So wait, okay, wait. So you know, there's the whole um, big deal about finding your calling, your purpose, and all of that. So, like, growing up, did you like, like, how long did it take you to find it? Now you can teach people to find it in five minutes. But like, personally, in your own, in your own life, how long did it take you to find it? I think it took me until I was all of about thirty-two. Oh wow! <laughs> um, I didn't know that. Life. You, know, you go to school, you come back, you get a good job, you do all the things you're supposed to do. Yeah. But I think when I was around 25, I discovered that you know there had to be more to life than all of that. I mean, I had achieved quite a lot for my age, but there was no fun. There was no um, there was no real joy to that. It was mechanical. So from yeah. about 25 to the one I was about 32, that was about seven years. It took me to really search for and find what drives me. What is the one thing I was created to do? Okay. And the minute I found that, I became like a heat-seeking missile. It became impossible for me to want to do anything else. And even though today I invest in quite a few businesses and I have quite a few businesses and I sit on a few boards, you will find if you really look at all the things I do, that one single thread is there, which is to teach, inspire, and motivate people to succeed. Okay, so everything else you do pretty much like ties to that main purpose. Yes, if it doesn't, it will become a struggle at some point. Okay. Did you feel any pressure, like, to find this calling really soon? Because I know that. Um, and a lot of youths right now are pretty much obsessed with finding their calling. Sometimes I wonder if I found my calling or if I've not found my calling. So it can be pretty confusing sometimes. So is it, is it like, was there like any pressure for you to find yours out or you just took the time that you needed? Well, there was pressure, but the pressure was coming from me and not from anyone else. Oh, okay. Don't forget that in my time. Um, once you got a good education and you got a good job, you were sorted out. All you had to do was get married, have kids, retire, and expire. That's true. Um, but, you know, I always felt, you know, I always felt there had to be something more to life than, you know, um, grinding, okay? Yeah. So I began looking for that myself. And I'd also gone into um, oriental philosophies like yoga. Oh, nice. <laughs> sort of, yeah, they had prepared me for wanting something more. 
okay. So I, I sought my purpose, but the pressure was all I put on myself. Okay. Today, I think all the kids, are, the youth, are just responding to pop culture because uh, if you if you check Google ads, Google keywords, you see that things like purpose are trending pretty high. Mm-hmm. And so people are just responding to that pressure. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the truth really if you don't find your purpose, you will not find your flow. And without flow, you can't really be happy. Yeah. Okay, so um, growing up, what would you say was like um, the most, what would you say had the most positive influence in your life? Like what, like what did you do or what person or what book or like what had the most positive influence in your life? Believe it or not, it was a magazine, a Fortune magazine. Uh, okay. When I finished my civil engineering um, course in the University of Lagos, I decided to go to England and study uh, business. Before then, I, I didn't know anything about commerce or social sciences. I was a student. I was a science student all the way. You know, physics, maths, chemistry. Yeah. But when I got to England, I had to start studying economics and all of those other things that I'd missed out on my life. So I spent a lot of time in the library. And I discovered this Fortune magazine, which the library had. It was a, I think it was a fortnightly magazine. They had a backlog of them. And I was enamored by the fact that they celebrated people who had achieved great things in business. And right there, found my passion so that that inspired me more than anything else and uh, some of the things I learned from there and my perspectives in life since then have continued to be driven by that little experience mm, okay so what led you to okay so you came from a civil engineering background to go do business why the switch well let's wait well I, I, I think the engineering thing was more of a challenge from my dad who felt I couldn't finish it or something. Okay. I've always felt that there was more to do for me in the area of business, you know, coordinating people, attacking an objective, and high fiving it's done, you know, the, the, the challenge of getting things done. And um, I knew I would have ended up in business anyway, so, and that's what took me there. I thought I could express myself more, and I think looking back, I was right. Mm. Okay, that's nice. What gave you the courage to? Because it's one thing to want something; it's another thing to actually go all out to do it. So, what gave you the courage? Well, I, I found out pretty early. I think accidentally that I found out two things. Num- number one, most of the people who had an opinion didn't really know what they were saying. Okay. So when they say to you, don't do this, you ask them why, they never really have an answer. Yeah, true. So I knew to disregard to people. The second thing I knew was that family sort of like wanted you to stay in the comfort zone, not because they hate you, but because they don't want to see you hurt. Yeah. So I knew pretty early that if I didn't break away from those two rigs, 
I would never achieve escape velocity. So I just blocked my ears and became stubborn. Whenever was it- I heard no, I was like, and to go yes. Oh, okay. And I think that helped me to, to um, that was how I was able to overcome what would have been fear became raw energy I could tap into. The more you said no, the more I was inspired to do it. Oh, wow. Usually people are uh, like intimidated by no, and when you get no, they just back down. So it's it's nice to see how no mm. can be a driving force to do more and be more. I'm not saying that I wasn't affected by the no's and the rejections. I was. Oh, okay. I could see that it was endless. And if I really wanted to do something with my life, at one point I had to face up to it and say, I hear you guys, but I'll do what I want. And once you have that attitude and you start scoring, no matter how little, you get bolder. And you begin to see that um, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yes. You realize that all good things come to those who dare. Hmm. Once you get that, you want to move, no matter what happens. Mm, okay, that's good. So, um, a lot of okay. So lately, I've been coming up. I've been. It's like I keep getting reminded how failure is a huge part of success, and um, the fear of failure is not um, is not something to really hang on to. Did you experience the fear of the fear of failure at any point in your growth or career as a person? Yes, and I still have it. Um, you still have it? Still feel it's always there. Oh, okay. Yes, I still have it. Oh, wow, that's interesting. But what I discovered was that was that the fear of success was far more powerful than the fear of failure. Uh, okay. Because uh, I noticed that sometimes people sabotage themselves because their success would mean they would lose their friends, they would lose their anchors. And it will throw them into a new orbit. So they wanted to stay in their comfort zone. They stay where they are mediocre. Okay. As soon as I understood that there was a fear of success, it made me understand that the fear of failure was the enemy. Um, okay. So you pretty much just embraced failing then? Yeah, I, I believe that. Um, um, failing is an acceptable byproduct of experimentation. As long as that byproduct is not fatal, uh, failing fast is the quickest way to succeed. Okay, so is there like any, let's say, like a, like a major failure that um, you had to undergo to bring about the biggest success in your life and growth? Yeah. Okay, just tell me about it. One of them was, you know, I was always out front about what I wanted to achieve. I was always a big dreamer. So more than once I had told everybody how I was going to conquer the entire world and, you know, become a colossus. And then I failed so badly I was broke I couldn't even eat. Wow. And I was too ashamed to go to my family and ask for money. Those were humiliating times. Um, and it didn't happen once. <laughs> <laughs> so how many uh, times did it happen? <laughs> yeah, you know, it happened like a couple of a couple of times. Oh wow! And um, but I still came back out. I, I think I had convinced myself on the inside that I was a winner. 
So when all these things happen, I, I I would lick my wounds for a while. I would withdraw from society for a while. I would do the whole voice me kind of dance. <laughs> Eventually, I'll come back down. And I don't know if it's a gift, but I had the ability to set all that aside when I decided to come out again. And I'll pursue the next thing with the same courage, bravado, and even stupidity as the last one. Oh, nice. Then eventually it became a average thing. Once in a while, I would win. And that would occur. And the baby's crying. <laughs> Sorry about that. So people know you're not in the studio. What'd you say? People know you're doing what I said this makes it real. People know you're not in the studio and that you're still doing what you love to do despite the circumstances. I think what's going on is teaching your audience to just go for it anyway. So relax and ask me your questions. Okay. I'm way more relaxed now. Okay, so <laughs> you said a couple of times you were broke. Like I like how did you deal with that? Because sometimes I think of the fact that okay. Let's say if I try too much daring things and I end up broke and like the thought of it, like me being broke pretty much limits me to an extent. So how did you overcome it? Well, I, I, I knew that being broke was an inconvenience. It wasn't a verdict on my abilities. Okay. Hmm. I mean, I always knew that I had good ideas. And sometimes I was able to con myself into believing that if the idea failed, it wasn't my fault. It was because the market was too stupid. To get it. <laughs> mm, okay. So, <laughs> you know, so I'll get broke and I'll withdraw from society. I'll become an introvert for a little while, heal my wounds and come back out again. There's just no way. You have to keep coming back again and again. Being broke is not a permanent thing. And that's why I feel disturbed when people try to apply a permanent solution to a temporary problem which as you, as you all know as you well know is what suicide is all about mm, yeah and you could have physical suicide you could have mental suicide you could have emotional suicide once you apply a permanent solution to a temporary problem you are done mm, okay so the attitude I had throughout all those years was this too shall pass. Not in a religious sense, but in an actual sense. Because I also liked biographies and autobiographies and I saw that yeah, yeah, something in Cohen. also had some of the deepest lows. Oh, okay. So it was it was I knew I was in good company. Oh, okay. So it seems that the attitude that you had pretty much helped shape where you are now. Very logic. Yes, the attitude is attitude is attitude is the you know, first of all, clarity. That's why you need to know your purpose and all of that. And then your attitude is the next most important thing. And once that's there, then you can have the passion, the persistence and all of that and the relentlessness. But the attitude must be there. First of all, do you really believe you're a winner or are you just saying? Mm, yeah. Do you really believe there must be challenges in life or are you just talking? And do you really believe that your problems are stepping stones or are you just sounding like a cheap motivational speaker? Because if you really believe those things, your attitude will reflect it. Yeah, right? I agree. 
and, and, and that's what had to happen. That's what happened in my case. And that's what has happened in every case I know about. Because I've never heard of one person who succeeded without some amount of struggle. Mm-hmm. But those who succeed are not those who succeeded because they struggle with external forces. The people who succeed are those who succeed because they struggle with their own internal doubts. And once you can overcome your own doubts, the entire universe will lie flat before you. Mm, okay. So, um, okay. So, what exactly, like right now at this stage in your life, what would you say your philosophy of life is like? Like, let's say one sentence. What is life to you? Or how do you see life? Okay, well, it's a very simple thing. Yeah, you can achieve anything if you can ignite the people around you to take it on as a crusade. Mm. So once you have a clear vision and you can sell it to people and you can get out of their way, even you couldn't stop it from happening. Mm. There's nothing more powerful than dear whose time has come and there's nothing more energizing than people who have been set free to achieve their goals. Mm-hmm. So, whatever your profession, if you master how to release human energy, you can achieve whatever you want. And that's my philosophy. Oh, okay. That's great. So, let's say, um, you, want to, no, you know, there's this um, thing about writing a letter to your 20 something self and what you'd say to him. So, let's bring it to this case. So, yeah. What would you say to your 20 something I've, I've heard that a lot. Yeah, I've heard that a lot, but that's not really what I do. What I do is different. I look at my 90-year-old self on the sickbed. Okay. And I look at that guy on the sickbed, and it's all twisted, and it's all gnarled, and it's full of regrets. And I walk to him at the age I am now. I walk to my 90-year-old self, and I say, what would you have done differently? Now that you know that the choices you made brought you to a bad place, I take that advice to heart. Mm, okay. And it changes me now. Because telling myself what I would have said to my 20 year old self is looking backwards. Yeah, true. I want to look forward all the time. So it's forward ever, backward never. Absolutely. Okay. If you don't do that, you'll stay in your comfort zone. And like I say, the comfort zone is where people wait to die. <laughs> okay, I never thought of that that way. <laughs> That's a very good way to look at it. It makes, makes one wants to live, live faster because most of us don't want to die yet. So when you think about it that way, it's, it's easier to run away from comfort zone. Okay. So I'm a big fan of books. And from your picture, I see that you have lots of books. So say it's my birthday yes. and you want to give me a book that would be of great influence in my life. Which book would you give me? A thousand books that I could give you. The first one I'll decide to, for you to read is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Ah, Jill, I've never finished that book. I don't and know specifically why. Specifically, <laughs> Those Seven Habits. What? Like I started reading it one time, but I didn't finish. I stopped at the fourth habit, and I've always had it in mind to buy, like, to get my own copy and read it again from beginning. But I don't. I've never gotten to do that. No, you should read that book. 
he should read that book. And the two most powerful um, orientations in the book are number one, you know, be proactive, right? Yeah, I think that's rule be one. Proactive. Number two, uh, number two, start with the end in mind. And there's a third one. I think that's extremely important. Seek to understand before you seek to be understood. Mm, okay. So I would recommend that book in a heartbeat. I think you should make it a priority to read that book within the next month. It will guide you okay. throughout your entire life. Okay. I will. Incidentally, um, Steve Stephen Covey, who read the book, passed on two years ago. The world had been noticed. We never notice when the giants pass. How come? Why does that happen? Why do you think that happens? Because when you're talking serious things, you're flying over the heads of 90% of the population. They don't get it. That's true. But then his book is like top notch like everybody talks about his book and how great it is and I, I, so I, I, I pretty much just assume that if he should die then the world should pretty much make a big deal out of it I guess I don't know yeah well you know true but uh, what we notice is different we remember politicians sportsmen and musicians we forget about day philosophers yeah that's true how sad. Really sad. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm happy for the question. But it's really sad that it's really packed. what's really important, which is what's between our two ears. And I'm going to celebrate it when they pass. Mm, okay. All right. So that's, that's like all the questions I have written down. Thank you so much for your time i didn't want it to exit 30 minutes so it doesn't become like a chore um, i thank you for also asking me the questions because you took me on a time travel you made me think about the things i've been through and I, I hope this will for whatever purpose you use it for i hope it will help uh, the young ones to realize that um you know if you really want to succeed don't pay too much attention to your emotions. Mm, okay. Don't pay too much attention to what people say. Just know your focus. Know your purpose. And commit to it. Mm, okay. There will be dark days, but there will always be light at the end of the tunnel. Okay. I am definitely taking this advice and applying it to my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are so welcome. Thank you for the opportunity to share these thoughts with you. I, I take it seriously. Thank you thank for you. encouraging me. I take it more seriously <laughs> because uh, I don't know. It's, it's it's usually easier to just it's usually easier to just um what's the word postpone and procrastinate and stay in the comfort zone. But you didn't let me you didn't let me do that at all. Zone. And I'm really, really happy about that. I'm really grateful for that. Thank you for being um, a great one to advise and for taking that advice. I pray that we opens before you and you'll be an example to your generation. Amen. 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 Thank you.
All right, then. So I look forward to seeing your career rise on this. Um, be well, be blessed, and um, take good care of yourself. I will. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Let me know what you think of this episode. And if you have any requests or anything like that, feel free to reach out to me via the links in the description box. See you next week for another episode.